It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into another edition of the Lockdown Raiders podcast. Christmas Eve, baby. That's right. Christmas will be uh, happening in full effect tomorrow, but uh, today it is Christmas Eve. A lot of folks out there getting their last-minute shop on, last-minute uh, decorations, taking care of a lot of things that they need to take care of as they are at the house or preparing the house maybe for a few folks to come over. Of course, if you're going to have some uh, you know, get-togethers at the house, do it safely. You know, Be careful. Take care of each other while you're, while you're having a good time. You know what I'm saying? Like You don't want to get get too crazy but either way uh, it is the holiday time and I know that a lot of folks do get together a lot of families get together and enjoy a little bit of time away from work and just be able to sit back relax and chill and of course the Raiders got a game coming up on Saturday against the Miami Dolphins second to last game of the season and of course on today's show going to be talking about that. Before I get into anything that's going to come up on today's show let me go ahead and tell you about the title sponsor which is Pepsi. That's right, Pepsi, this football season, you already know, has been different, really different. Pepsi's been here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watched all season long. It's the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Passionate fans, they're the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. And make sure you go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Coming up on today's show, it is Crossover Thursday. So Kyle Krabs, host of Locked on Dolphins, is going to join me to break down the game, talk all things Dolphins, all things Raiders. And this is the deal. I think that we're going to just do maybe segment number two, and that's it as far as the uh, the crossover edition goes. But I'm not 100% sure. When I reached out to Kyle Krabs, he let me know that, hey, I got a very limited amount of time. So, okay, cool. No no doubt about it. We'll get through it, uh, you know, quickly and, and uh, you know, pretty pain-free. So I think that I'll have time for calls and texts in segment number three, and then we'll just do the crossover edition in segment number two, and then here in segment number one, we'll do the news and the notes of the day. But I'll put an asterisk next to that right now and let you know that it's subject to change depending on how the conversation with Kyle Krabs goes. But uh, either way you look at it, either way you slice it, uh, it's a Christmas Eve edition of the Lockdown Raiders podcast. Uh, another one, probably like the third one I've done now. This is the third season I've been able to host this podcast. Very excited about it. Very blessed as another season winds down. I, I absolutely appreciate everyone who supports this show and uh, you know and, and chimes in on the Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line, either by way of text message or voicemail, or even reaches out to me on Twitter at your boy Q254. So let's go ahead and jump into today's show. Like I said, segment number one, news and notes of the day. And I hate to bring this kind of news and start things off like this, but the Raiders have put another player on the COVID-19 list. Linebacker Nick Kwiatkowski, that's a big deal, man. He is a big, stinking deal. He is one of the free agents that has actually worked out for the Raiders. And you see that the defense is a lot better when Kwiatkowski is out there. He is not going to be out there this Saturday. Very unfortunate, but he is another player on the COVID-19 list, which now includes Henry Ruggs. That's wide receiver Henry Ruggs. Defensive back Daryl Worley. 
Safety, Eric Harris. Of course, linebacker, Nick Wachowski. Uh, defensive end, uh, D- David Irving, who's on the practice, li- uh, practice squad COVID list. And then Isaiah Johnson, the defensive back, was activated from the list. So you take one off the list and you add one. You know, it's like a, a clean trade-off right there. Isaiah Johnson activated and Nick Wachowski added. So unfortunately for the Raiders, another player goes down on the COVID-19 reserve list. And I'm sure when this season is over, whenever it's over, if it's after two games or if somehow they sneak into the playoffs, the players are just going to uh, just exhale. You know, I mean, remember that movie, Waiting to Exhale, old school Whitney Houston movie, and they just kind of, whew, you know, a big sigh of relief. That's what they're going to do once the season's over, whenever it ends, just knowing that they don't have to deal with this COVID-19 protocol. They could be at their house, chill, and uh, and just relax until until next season or next offseason. But either way you look at it, man, COVID-19 has hit the Raiders, and it's hit the Raiders in a major way this 2020 football season. Also, real quick, I wanted to go over the injury report from Wednesday, which is actually Pretty good. The injury report, I didn't think I was going to talk about the injury report in a, in a good way, in a good positive manner. But, man, if you look at it, it was pretty stinking good. Safety Jonathan Abram dealing with that concussion and knee injury. He was limited on Tuesday. Full participant on Wednesday. So that sounds like Jonathan Abram is going to be a go uh, as long as he doesn't get banged up on Thursday or have a setback on Thursday or Friday, which I don't think he will. I think it's just a, a, a walkthrough on Thursday and then Saturday, or Friday uh, they should be off and prepare for the game on uh, on Saturday. So uh, I think all he has to do is really make it through Thursday's practice and he'll be good to go. So it looks like uh, you're getting your starting safety back, Jonathan Abram, this Saturday against the Dolphins. Damon Arnett, concussion neck injury. He's limited on Tuesday, limited on Wednesday. I don't see any chance that he plays on Saturday. I think that they shut him down down for the rest of the season. Uh, that's just my my gut feeling on that. How about this one? Derek Carr, the quarterback dealing with the groin injury, limited on Tuesday, full participant on Wednesday. I was really shocked by that, really, and I don't really know what that means. Uh, again, I've said it multiple times. If he's 100% healthy or as healthy as possible and feels like he can go out there without getting hurt anymore, then go for it. You know, he's earned that right. If not, if he can't really protect himself, he shouldn't be out there. But I was really surprised to see him as a full participant on Wednesday. Uh, Looks like, you know, there's a good chance he plays on Saturday. Now, things could change, but it's trending, at least, in the right direction. Uh, Cleve Farrell, not trending in the right direction. He's dealing with that shoulder injury, didn't participate on Tuesday, did not participate on Wednesday. Doesn't sound like he's going to be a go for Saturday. Jonathan Hankins, a defensive tackle. He's dealing with the hamstring injury, did not participate on Tuesday. He was full. Fully participated on Wednesday. Looks like he's going to be good to go. That is a good thing. Center Rodney Hudson, limited again, dealing with the knee and back injury, but he's good to go. I, I, I'm very confident that Rodney Hudson will be out there. Uh, Mo Hurst, dealing with the calf injury, limited uh, both days, Tuesday and Wednesday. I think he'll be good to go. Alec Ingold, uh, he's been full dealing with the knee injury. Uh, guard Gabe Jackson, he's dealing with the knee injury. He was limited both Tuesday and Wednesday. I definitely feel like he'll be good to go. Josh Jacobs, once again, who's dealing with the knee injury. He was full on Tuesday, full again on Wednesday. He's going to be good to go. It's going to be nice to see Josh Jacobs fully healthy for this game, as healthy as he can be. It's going to be good to see him uh, as close to 100%. Linebacker Raquan McMillan, he was dealing with the elbow injury, full on Tuesday, full on Wednesday, and that's a good thing because with uh, Nick Wachowski out, Obviously, you're going to need to see Raquan McMillan, and that's that's something that you haven't seen a lot since they traded with the Dolphins. You know, there's, there's this game on Saturday is going to actually have a couple guys uh, that used to be on on each other's team playing against each other. Raquan McMillan playing for the Raiders was a member of the Dolphins, and Lynn Bowden Jr. was a member of the Raiders now playing with the Dolphins. So those two guys uh, will square up for opposite teams 
on Saturday, but Raquan McMillan is going to be needed, so it's good to see that he was full participant as he's dealing with that elbow injury. Uh, Nicholas Morrow, he's still out, not injury-related. Uh, he was limited on Tuesday, did not participate on Wednesday. So that's something to kind of pay attention to because that's a guy that you're going to need out there as well, especially with, uh, with uh, you know, Kukowski not being out there. You need to have as many capable and able linebackers as possible. Tua throws to the tight ends a lot. Going to need that kind of coverage. Going to need someone to really be able to uh, try to slow down the tight ends uh, this game against uh, Tua Tagovailoa and the Dolphins. Carl Nassib, not injury-related, didn't participate on Tuesday, uh, not even listed on Wednesday. So that's something. Uh, Hunter Renfro, he's dealing with a concussion. He was limited on Tuesday, full participant on Wednesday, which means he's cleared the concussion protocol. You can't be a full participant if you didn't clear the concussion protocol. So that I'm actually pretty impressed by that he's back that quickly. So it looks like Hunter Renfro is going to be good to go. Uh, Sam Young, he's dealing with a knee injury. He was limited Tuesday and limited on Wednesday. He's the primary backup for Trent Brown. So there you go. That's the that's the injury report from Wednesday. It's pretty lengthy, but there's a lot of good news on there. Full for Abram, full for Carr, full for Hankins, full for Ingold, full for uh, Josh Jacobs, full for Raquan McMillan, and full for Hunter Renfro. Lots of good news right there as far as the Raiders and their injuries go. Still not good with the COVID-19 reserve list as far as it goes with Nick Kwiatkowski. And finally, wanted you to hear from Rod Marinelli. He's the interim defensive coordinator right now for the Raiders. He had his media session on Wednesday. Uh, just wanted you to hear a few of his little sound bites. He doesn't talk in great length, but uh, you know, I think he kind of tells you all you need to know, and it's, I think it's good to hear from him anyway since the defense is what everyone's worried about. What's the defense going to look like? So the first question asked to Rod Marinelli was, what did he see for the defense against the Chargers? And what does he need to see more of now since he's had more time to kind of work with these guys? I, I thought it was improvement. It was really solid. Want more still. But I, I really like the fight in them all the way. Got to eliminate mistakes, eliminate some big plays, eliminate penalties as coaches and players together, working together. But I, I just thought they showed a ton of heart in that game uh, toward the end, and uh, I just really loved how they kept fighting but we got to win. You got to win and you got to execute a lot better than they did. They had moments on that Thursday game against the Chargers where they looked good early on, especially against the run. But ultimately, man, in the secondary, it was just bad. They, they had no answer in the secondary. They couldn't stop. And I could have got a couple catches for a few yards. Now, not a lot of yards, but I could have got a couple passes and got a couple yards on that secondary on Thursday night. Uh, Rob Marinelli was also asked about the fact that they're missing so many key defensive guys due to COVID-19. And how, as a defensive coordinator, how do you handle that? You know, the men that we have, they, most of these guys have been here with us most of the season as it is so you know you just keep coaching those guys and the basics you know you uh, make sure our alignments are right all those things are right and uh, you believe in the men you're coaching that's I think number one and uh, it's coaching player when you go on the field that's how we deal with it. Rob Marinelli, I get it, man. He's so old school. He's so chill. He's so he's so cool. Now I say he's chill. He ain't chill when he's giving those guys instructions. He'll be he'll be uh, fiery. He'll light them up. You know he he does. He he has that that extra energy, that charge to him. But man, he's just like, hey, you believe in the guys. You believe in the guys that you're coaching. That's how you handle it. So okay, hey, we believe in you, Rod. I mean, I think <laughs> we believe in the guys that are out there. We as fans just want to see it. You know what I mean? But again, that's just Rod Marinelli and his his approach that he takes when he's talking to the media. Now he was asked about a few of the players. How about Vic Beasley? What has he seen from Vic Beasley? How is it coaching him? You know, uh, he's got the, the skill level is really good. He's still got the skill and uh, the speed and the movement. We've just had, I just, we really enjoy working with him. 
and uh, obviously he's, the quickness, the balance, and the production he's had. So it's a guy you, you love having here and love working with. Great guy to work with. Great man. Now, he's not just making me feel 100% confident. He's like, hey, he's, he's great to work with. He's a great man. He's got some speed. He's got some quickness. Yeah, I get it. But what can you get out of him, man? Can you get some production? Because it's been some years since Vic Beasley's really came through and had some good production. Now, I will say he had some good production when he was in the 3-4 defense. Maybe that's something to, to think about. But, again, it's just me. It's just me talking. Uh, anyway, I got a couple more for you real quick. How about Rod Marinelli on the penalties that Trayvon Mullen had on Thursday against the Chargers? And how does he or how can he help clean that up? I, I just think, you know, what we first thing we do is we watch it as a group together and uh, try to see some of the TV copies, hand placement, all those different things where they should be. Really a coachable guy. Man, I love this guy. And so you – as, as our job now as teachers to help him, you know, our hand play, all those things. So it's coach working with a player, player with a coach, and, you know, just playing within the rules that we, uh, things that we are allowed to do. I love how competitive the guy is, and he's, he's really been good at times this year. So just helping him clean some of this stuff up. First, bring it to a man's attention, and then you help him correct. He sounds like that OG that you know on the block, right? <laughs> that gives you advice on life. Say, young blood, say, young blood, let me tell you, like, come here, sit down, man, sit down, let me tell you. First, you got to believe in him, and then you got to tell him what to do. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, that's what I get when I hear Rob Marinelli, man. I just, I, I picture the dude on the block that says, hey, young blood, come here, man. Come on, sit down, man. I've been noticing you running around with your pants all sagging. Let me tell you something, man. Let me tell you something, man. Y'all need y'all youngsters need to learn something. That's that's all I get when I see and hear from Rod Marinelli. So the final comment that Rod Marinelli was asked was about Jonathan Abram, the safety. And obviously that's a hot button when it comes to Raider Nation because a lot of folks at Raider Nation are fed up with Jonathan Abram. He looks like he's a very talented dude, but he just kind of gets in his own way and he doesn't really look like he's he fits the role yet. And obviously he's still young, got a long, long way to go. But Rod Marinelli was asked about him and what he needs to really work on the most. What impresses me is is he's got great football instincts. He is a terrific hitter. You know, that, as soon as you, you do that, you got my attention, and especially in our system. So I just think it's honing the skills and having, having an opportunity to practice week after week after week after week because he's missed a lot last year and no camp and all those things. But I think the, the ceiling is so high on this guy, and uh, I think he cares so much, and he could bring such great energy. So it's just, I think it's a process of developing skill and uh, time over task, time over task. And, and that's going to happen. There goes that OG on the block again, man. I'm going to start calling Rob Marinelli the OG on the block. Time over task, time over task. And it's going to happen for him. <laughs> you know, yeah, we all know Jonathan Abram is passionate. We all know Jonathan Abram has energy. We know he cares. We know he wants to be really, really sticking good. The question is, how can they teach him? to be really, really good and how they teach him to not make the stupid mistakes that he makes as far as even just 15-yard penalties, the boneheaded ones, you know, not the effort penalties, just the dumb ones. If you can start there, that's a, that's a step in the right direction. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, the Raiders try to develop Jonathan Abram because I think it's very clear he's got a long ways to go. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number two, Kyle Krabs will join the show to talk all things Dolphins, all things Raiders. It's the crossover edition on this Christmas Eve special. Feeling really good about it. And uh, before we get into that, I do want to tell you about a couple great sponsors here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. One I've been telling you about for so long. Built Bar. Matter of fact, I had a buddy hit me up on Twitter and say, man, you know what time it is? And it was a picture of a box of Built Bars. 
So shout out to you, man. Go ahead and keep piling them things up because those Built Bars, they are really, really good. They come in 18 different flavors, six newer ones, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. But they got 12 OG ones too, so they've been around for quite a while. Like I said, been talking about Built Bar for a long time, a protein bar that does not taste like a protein bar. It does not taste like rocks. It does not taste like chalk. It does not taste like dirt. It tastes like a really good chocolate bar because these bars are covered 100% in chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. Matter of fact, uh, if you're like me, you can put them in the fridge and let them chill a little bit and they're even better. And that's just my opinion. Some people enjoy them straight out the pantry. Either way, it is all good. G-O-O-D. Good. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, Built Bar is great for the healthy man or woman. Help you lose or maintain weight while you're uh, enjoying a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and they're great for the keto diet. So uh, go check them out right now, man. BuiltBar.com. You're looking for that snack. You're looking for that little something, something. Go check it out. BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On. You're going to get 20% off. That's BuiltBar.com. Promo code Locked On. You're going to get 20% off your order. Simple as that. Not your, not your uh, next order and your only order. Any order that you do, you're going to get uh, 20% off. BuiltBar.com. I also want to tell you about betonline.ag. You're trying to bet this, uh, this, this holiday season? You're trying to bet this uh, college bowl game season? Or how about the NFL playoffs? All that, well, the college bowl season's going on right now. But the NFL playoffs are right around the corner. Maybe you want to try to put a little extra coin in your pocket. Maybe you spend a lot of money this, uh, this holiday season for Christmas, spend a lot of gifts on the family, and you're trying to recoup some of that money. Well, betonline.ag is going to help you. Matter of fact, they're my uh, sponsor of the Locked On Bets show that I do with Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com. And if you listen to that, you can get some good knowledge. And you combine that with betonline.ag, man, you could really put some ducats in your pocket this holiday season. But right now, if you go to betonline.ag and open up a free account and use the promo code locked on you're going to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit that's a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit betonline.ag it's real simple the account is free and plus they're going to hook you up with a little extra something something just to say thank you for opening up account again college football season the NBA is back NFL playoffs I mean all that they got you covered like a Jimmy hat, so uh, definitely go check them out right now. BetOnline.ag. If you're on Twitter, uh, you're on social media, check them out at BetOnline underscore AG. Take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for your free account and make sure to use the promo code LOCKEDON and get your sign-up bonus. So it's BetOnline.ag. Segment number two, it's the crossover editions coming up next here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's another crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's time to talk Raiders. It's time to talk Dolphins. Big Saturday night prime time game. Uh, to help me talk about this game and break it down, got my guy Kyle Krabs, uh, host of Locked On Fins. And uh, Kyle, I'm excited about this game, man. It's uh, it's prime time action, Saturday night football. Very excited about that, the day after Christmas. And the only thing about it is, well, the Dolphins look really, really good, man. What What is it about what Brian Flores has been able to do, uh, even crossing over and, and putting Tua Tagovailoa in uh, after the Dolphins were on a three-game win streak? What is it, What kind of buttons has he been able to push while the Dolphins are playing so well right now? Yeah, uh, it, first of all, it feels weird to, to be playing meaningful late December football games. Uh, <laughs> so that, that in itself is, uh, I, I think, enough to keep everybody's uh, a fire lit under everybody's butt in South Florida as far as this football team but Brian Flores just he really is in tune with his locker room and he's he's really able to have his messaging 
reach his players because of the styles of assistant coaches that he's brought in. He dipped into the college well for a couple of assistant coaches this past offseason that raised some eyebrows. But, you know, they're very hands on. And Brian Flores is very much a delegator. He trusts his assistants to make sure that each individual position group is ready to have a next man up approach, which no greater example of that than when the Miami Dolphins won 22 to 12 against the New England Patriots last week without their top if you go back to the summer depth chart, their top five wide receivers on the summer depth chart were not available for that football game. So uh, just constantly staying flexible and having everybody in a state of mind that next man up, we're ready to play some football. Uh, and then just d- defensively between defensive coordinator Josh Boyer and Brian Flores himself, uh, this defense is head and shoulders above what it was. We are two weeks away from uh, the Dolphins defense being the first team defense since 1978 to go from worst to first in points allowed in, in back-to-back season. So uh, the, the investments they made on the defensive side of the ball are really clicking right now for Miami. So you're saying that there's hope. <laughs> it's possible. You're saying it's it possible. Is. Nice. I it like is. it. Well, you mentioned that there was some really good investments on the defensive side of the ball that has paid off, and one of the guys is Byron Jones, who came over from the Cowboys. He was a guy the Raiders were very, very interested mm-hmm. in, and, well, obviously they didn't they didn't get him. You know, the Dolphins did, and Xavier Howard, he's been there. The Dolphins drafted him in the second round years ago, and he's just, I mean, he's killing it, but how important has, has the addition of Byron Jones been just to to bookend what they have in Xavier Howard already? Yeah, I, I, you got a nice three-game sample size at the beginning of the year of what the secondary looked like without Byron Jones when he had a groin injury. The Buffalo game, uh, the Jacksonville game, and the Seattle game. And Seattle and Buffalo just absolutely torched Miami through the air. Uh, and, and they picked on whoever was not Xavier Howard in those matchups. Specifically, DK Metcalf got a couple catches on Xavier. But other than that, uh, it, it's that one-two punch on the outside. And the Dolphins having so much trust to put the guys on the outside on islands and then congest so much of the middle of the field where you think about a team like the Raiders that have Darren Waller and and his success at the tight end position and how difficult he is to, to guard. The Dolphins, because they have these two corners in Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, that they trust to play outside thirds, they can really add a lot of extra traffic to help pick up those deep crossing patterns and have the free safety that's able and willing and ready to drive on those throws, that deep dig pattern at 15, 12, 20 yards of depth. So uh, it's really complimentary, all the pieces that they have that have, have put together. And, you know, with those two corners, it has made everybody else in the back seven that much better for this Dolphins defense. You know, and speaking of the back end, the safety positions, how important has it been and how helpful has it been that those safeties are actually X corners? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, there's the coaching staff has rave reviews for Bobby McCain for his communication. And a lot of that comes from his experience playing corner. He's he played outside corner. He played nickel and now he's playing free safety. So he has experience playing every spot throughout the course of the secondary since he came to the Dolphins. And that was uh, over several coaching regimes. But nevertheless, uh, his experiences have allowed him to be the communicator and the quarterback on the back end of the defense. And then Eric Rowe, as a guy who had really good athletic testing and we thought could play outside corner, and uh, he's kind of failed his way inward, so to speak, but really found a a strong home at strong safety. And he's been very successful at covering tight ends. And and that's one of these X-factor matchups that I'm most looking forward to about this game is him versus Darren Waller, because you should expect to see a lot of man-to-man situations and and Miami perhaps bracketing a little bit to get a little bit of help uh, where 
Eric Rowe is not leveraged, but for sure the man-to-man experience so that when the Dolphins decide, hey, we want to go zero blitz and bring heat, we know we can move these safeties wherever we need to based on what formation we get, and we're going to get good man-to-man matchups. Yeah, man, it should be a good chess match between the two teams, you know, on that defensive line for the for the Dolphins. Uh, Christian Wilkerson, he's there. We were talking to Hunter Renfro the other day, and he was excited about the matchup, a former Clemson teammate of his. But uh, how much has Wilkerson meant to that defensive line, and, and how good are they at stopping the run? Because as you very well know, the Raiders like to butter their bread by way of the run. Yeah, I think uh, if this matchup would have came about a month ago, the Dolphins would be a lot more concerned about a major red flag than you know what they've shown over the course of the past month where they the Dolphins players said they had some players-only meetings to talk about defending the run and everybody being accountable and taking it personally. The teams are trying to come out and, and pound the ball down your throat like New England who ran the ball the first time these two teams played for 217 yards and the Denver Broncos in an upset win in Denver when they rushed for nearly 200 yards uh, earlier in, in the season in November. Uh, the Dolphins have really flipped the switch, really. Yeah. And, and what they've been able to do is, you know, once they got Christian Wilkins back from the reserve COVID-19 list, he spent two, missed two games uh, as a result of COVID-19. Uh, they're playing a lot of occupying B-gap to B-gap with down linemen. And with rookie defensive tackle Raquan Davis, he's actually the guy I kind of point to as the X-factor in the run defense because with Miami playing mint or bare fronts where they got a defender in each B-gap and they got a nose tackle head up on the center, uh, that allows for really good gap control between the tackles. And then they can kind of play everything inside out and force you to get a little bit more east-west than what you want to. And with the teams that had success... Uh, with Denver and New England, we're really able to kind of get downhill between the tackles with some some power concepts and lead. And uh, Miami has been better on that front. And getting back Elan and Roberts and Kyle Van Noy, who both missed the Kansas City Chiefs game, was a big boost. And lo and behold, the Dolphins gave up like 100 less yards to the New England Patriots the second time around than what they did the first time on the ground. Talking right now with Kyle Krabs, host of Locked on Fins, as the Raiders and Dolphins prepare to play this Saturday at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. And uh, now looking at the, the offensive side of the ball, obviously the defense, they're the heavy hitters for the Dolphins, in my opinion. But the offense is, is something I want to question. And, of course, it's headlined by Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, first of all, man, uh, Brian Flores makes a decision to go ahead, even though the Dolphins are on a three-game winning streak, decides to make a, a quarterback change, has a bye week to kind of get Tua uh, ready to rock and roll. And, I mean, I'm not saying he's been lights out, but, they haven't really missed a beat, and they've been playing some pretty good ball. What has Tua done, and what has coaching staff done to make him comfortable? Yeah, they, they've really kind of evolved their offense over the course of the past two months since they made the quarterback change, where the beginning of the season, you kind of got a vibe that they wanted to do a lot of RPO-type stuff, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, teaching an old dog new tricks, <laughs> didn't really go over that well as far as him working in the mesh point and having accuracy and getting the ball out on time and making smart decisions in those. So they kind of fell back onto the traditional, just kind of horizontal spread, quick game timing, passing offense. Well, with Tua, you know, it's been gradual and progressive, but what you've seen is a lot more mesh point decision-making, a lot more kind of rising up out of handoffs in which the Dolphins are running their inside zone or their duo concepts uh, up front with the offensive line and we're throwing to soft coverage and and taking advantage of soft spaces in the defense and and where defense has soft bubbles and green grass to throw the football, Tua has the jurisdiction to make those decisions and throw the football. And it's kind of forced teams to – kind of slow down a little bit and stop trying to treat the Dolphins as though they're playing in this 10-yard box, which so many teams had success against the Dolphins early on. 
with playing a single high post safety. He was 15 yards off the ball, and everybody else was inside of 10 yards. And Miami just could not get anything popping on the ground because they're outgapped. There's too many defenders to block up. Well, with the RPO, you have the ability to put defenders in conflict and make that defender wrong, whether he chooses to fill for the run, you can throw it behind him, or if he sinks to take away the slant, okay, now we're going to give the ball because we have the numbers. So that has really been one of the major evolutions of this Dolphins offense that's been really fun to watch. And the other one being tempo, you know, Chang Gailey was really hesitant to buy into playing fast with a rookie quarterback. But once they kind of got to his feet wet with it, it was the Cincinnati game when he came back from the thumb injury. And then the following week against Kansas city and they scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. And then they hit new England with it again. They've had success running tempo. And it's like, once they get that first chunk play on first down, okay, now let's play with some pace. Let's get the defense back on their heels. And one of, uh, you know, one of uh, Tua's, or at least a favorite position, is kind of similar to Derek Carr thrown to the tight end. Now, the tight ends aren't quite Darren Waller, but at the same time, the tight ends have had a lot of success there in Miami. Uh, uh, Duro Smythe, that's a guy that I know very well. He's from the Central Texas area uh, and then also went to Notre Dame. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the tight end position? I know some guys are banged up. Is, is Smythe the guy this week that's going to be the, the go? The vibe out of Miami was you know, going into the New England game, Wide I know you're asking about tight end, but wide receivers, Jakeem Grant, Devontae Parker, and tight end Mike Isecki were all questionable going into the game, and they found out about 90 minutes before the game that none of them were going to dress. Yeah. And what's come out since is the in, the impression was from those close to the organization, if that was an elimination game or a playoff game, those guys would have played. Okay. So knowing that Miami is now kind of in this situation where you're really going to have to win your last two games to make the playoffs if you want to make the playoffs – uh, I would expect that Mike Isecki does play, okay. uh, maybe not in, in his normal snap capacity, in which case the Dolphins, who are embracing some two tight end stuff, Durham Smythe is definitely going to get a lot of run. And this has been a, a good season for him to kind of showcase himself as a complimentary tight end. And, and he's the guy that primarily is doing the blocking when the Dolphins do their split zone stuff. And as a result of that, when they go with their tendency breakers, he has a chance to make some really nice chunk gains in the passing game because people see 81 and they say, okay, they're going to run the football. Right. Well, every now and again, he leaks up the seam or he leaks out into the flat and he's got big, big space to work with because nobody's really keying on him. Just got a couple more questions for you, Kyle, as far as the offense goes. And, uh, you know, with all the guys that you mentioned that missed last week, it gave an opportunity, and really the last few weeks have had opportunities for Lynn Bowden Jr., a guy that the Raiders actually traded to Miami. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Raiders and Miami, I guess they're good trade partners, man. They traded Lynn Bowden Jr., and then also Raquan McMillan went back to the Raiders uh, also. So uh, Lynn Bowden Jr., he's a guy that we've been hearing a lot about this week from uh, disgruntled Raider fans who are mad that the Raiders traded him or Miami fans that are laughing that the Raiders traded him. Uh, what are your thoughts on Lynn Bowden Jr., what he's been able to do the last few weeks? I don't know about laughing at the Raiders because if, if, if you're not comfortable with it, if you don't feel it's the right fit, you know, I, I'm never a fan of clinging on to a decision just, just for the sake of having pride and making a decision. So I don't want to be too hard on the Raiders' front office with that. But I will say this, Lynn Bowden over the, the last two or three weeks since – Malcolm Perry got banged up and Jakeem Grant got banged up. He's been put into almost the the slot slash gadget player role that mm -hmm. you would have expected Albert Wilson to fill this year before he opted out uh, during the course of the summer. And you can see the versatility. You can see he's comfortable handling the football. The Dolphins have done some really fun stuff with him uh, as far as misdirection and trick plays and uh, double reverses with a pass put onto it that he decides to just tuck the ball and he's weaving in and out of the defense for 14 yard pickups and uh, he's blocking uh, which is such a big deal for Miami because they do so much of spreading the field so that these wide receivers have to be able to block 
a safety in the alley if the Dolphins are going to pop off any big runs. So he's been impressive, and his workload the past two weeks specifically, he's got like 140 yards of offense from scrimmage over the course of the past two games, and, and he's really showing that he can be kind of a chess piece that this team can work with moving forward for sure. Final question is about Jakeem Grant. I'm a big fan of his. I mean, there's a lot of, I'll tell you, there's a lot of Central Texas and, and Texas uh, you know, guys on the Miami Dolphins between Jakeem Grant, uh, I talked about Smythe already, uh, talked about Xavier and Howard. I mean, there's guys all up and down the roster that are either from the Central Texas area or have some kind of Texas ties, but Jakeem Grant, man, I've been a big fan of his ever since he was on uh, undrafted and ended up getting drafted by the Dolphins. He's really carved out a nice little niche, man. He's carved out a nice little career for himself uh, as an undersized guy, and he just seems like to me that he continues to get better and better. Never going to be a superstar, but it seems like he just continues to get better and better at the at the role that he's playing there in Miami. Yeah, it's it's been fun because the Dolphins, as they've kind of evolved their offense to get more of the Alabama esque concepts that Tua was so used to running, you see them start to run the jet motion and the touch pass. And Jakeem had two of those against the Bengals. And one went for 17 and the other went for 22. So just his speed, obviously his dynamics as a return man. I thought he had a really good chance to be the Pro Bowl candidate for a return specialist for the AFC. It it ended up going to the Buffalo Bills returner instead. Uh, But Shaquem, it seems like he's got one or two returns a year for touchdowns and uh, really electric with the football in his hands. Now, he's a little bit of a roller coaster. and, (laughs) And as far as him trying, this year was the big year for him to try and prove that he's more than just like, the gadget return yeah. guy. And and there's been ups and downs. You have to have a super accurate quarterback for him to consistently catch the football just because with his stature at 5'6", five, 5'7", five, his catch radius isn't particularly big. Right. And then the other concern with him is, is durability. He's ended the last two years on injured reserve, missing the last six games in each of the last two seasons. Well, he's healthy now, but now he's got a soft tissue thing that kept him out of the New England Patriots game. So there's almost this sense of like, oh man, here we go again. Can we just please get 16 healthy games with Jakeem Grant to really get a vibe for what he could do in an offense? Because we've seen the flashes there. Like you said, he's super explosive, super fun playmaker with the ball in his hands. But it's just like there's, there's kind of this glass ceiling over him. But with that said, if he plays, I would expect he'll get a chance to make a couple plays because he has been the guy the Dolphins have turned to to dial up some deep shots, and they just waved Antonio Callaway at the beginning of this week. Yeah, and he always seems to have a big game against the Raiders. I mean, every time. Every <laughs> I remember last year, he has big – I think it was a flea flicker he caught for a touchdown. Yeah, he has a couple big returns every year, and it's against the Raiders. He has a couple big plays as a wide receiver. It's against the Raiders. It happens every single time. So I like him a lot. I root for him. Just not this Saturday. <laughs> all right, just tell him, calm it on down if he's going to play this Saturday. Don't do it this week. But uh, that's all I got for you, man. I think it's going to be an exciting game. I'm really uh, fired up about it. Um, you know, for the Dolphins to win it, what, what do they have to have happen for them, at least offensively? I think they need to do a lot of what they were able to do against New England, which is find some chunk runs uh, in the ground game. They, they have really struggled with consistency. Entering the Patriots game, they were averaging 3.6 yards per carry on the ground. And then they come out against the Patriots and they rush 42 times for 250 yards. And it was kind of this big aha moment. They they have Robert Hunt, who's now installed and has been playing the last two months at right tackle. And he's been able to generate some movement up front. Uh, so for the Dolphins, continuing to run the football is going to be a priority. And, and I know that's something that Dolphins fans want to see Tua Tungvaloa cook. They want to see Tua throw for 400 yards. But that's not the formula for this Dolphins team to play winning football right now because they are so well-rounded and complementary on all three phases. So I would expect them to look to continue the momentum that they established last week and then 
once they kind of get the Raiders back on their heels a little bit, then they're going to go with the quick game and they're going to go with tempo. So there it is, Raider Nation. You get the Dolphins side of things as far as this game goes on Saturday night. Dolphins and Raiders. That was Kyle Krabs, host of Locked On Fins. Uh, I gave him all the Raider side of things, but we talk about the Raiders each and every day here. So I think you already know the answers to what he had to ask. So if you do want to hear it, go ahead and check it out on his show, Locked On Fins. But I'm going to try to squeeze in a couple calls. I know we got some good calls, some good texts. I'm going to try to squeeze them in. It's going to get a little lengthy, but I'm going to squeeze them in in segment number three. That's how I do. It's the Christmas Eve special here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Segment number three is on the way. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. A couple calls and texts real quick straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. I may not have a big response to them because I'm trying to get a couple in here before we get into the, the holiday. So uh, here we go. Art from Orange County, you're going to lead us off. He's talking about a couple things he'd like to see happen this offseason. So here he is, Art from Orange County. Yo, what up Q? What up Raider Nation? It's your boy Art from Orange County. I haven't listened to today's show, but this this is what I've been thinking about all day. The three, the three things I want to happen in the offseason. One, we need to sign Leonard Williams, okay? Two, we need to sign Vaughn Miller. Three, we okay? I think with that, we switch it to a 3-4 and we move Farrell inside to DT with Williams, and we could sign Collins for depth. Cool. I think he's on a one-year. I'm not too sure on that. But I think I don't remember if he signed a one- or two-year deal. Um, all right? In the draft, we either take the stud, we take a stud linebacker or a safety. If it's a safety, I prefer us to to, to uh, trade back a little bit. But you know how that works. We never freaking manage to get a trade because you know Mike Mayock is not dumb. That dude knows his, his value in his trades. So if we get that, I think it'll fix a lot of the problems on the defense because the corners won't have to cover as much, especially if we get some burn. With, uh, you know, Max Crosby, Von Miller, Leonard Williams, you know, Farrell, Collins as a rotational, or even Farrell, it doesn't matter. But I think the corners, they're young. We've got to let them develop. And I think, we, I, I think that'll help a lot on the defense. I don't know how much money that's going to cost. I don't know. I know Von Miller's on his downside right now. But I think we can, we, we can, we can make it happen. If we make that happen, you know, I think it's a possibility. So let me know what you think, Q. Peace out. There he is, Art from Orange County. And I heard two out of three, and then your phone cut out. Leonard Williams and Von Miller. Pick up those two guys. I heard switch to a 3-4, draft a stud linebacker. Uh, Hey, look, that sounds like uh, that you want Wade Phillips, in my opinion. That's what that sounds like. That sounds like bring in Wade Phillips and let him pick the groceries. And I I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, Next up is a text from Ryan from Western New York. Hey, Q. I was just listening to Monday's show. I think the Raiders should sit Carr this Saturday. I wouldn't want to see him get injured long-term. If he's not 100% in two weeks, they should sit him then too. This would give them one to two chances to see Mariota, what he can do in Gruden's offense in game situations. Then maybe this upcoming preseason, they could have a real quarterback competition for the first time since Carr's rookie year. Love the show. That's from Ryan from Western New York. 
Uh, that's a strong possibility. I know Derek Carr is going to give it everything he's got uh, to get out there and play. You know, uh, and, and him practicing fully on uh, Wednesday was a big deal. But uh, I would like to see, even if he does play, I'd like to see uh, Marcus Mariota get a few packages, not necessarily as the quarterback, but just as a weapon out there offensively. I don't care if Carr and Mariota are on the field together. I think he could be a weapon similar to what they wanted Lynn Bowden Jr. to be when they drafted him. And obviously, that didn't work out. So thank you so much for that text. I appreciate you. Uh, next up, just got a couple more. Next up is a call from Pegleg. Raider in San Antonio. It's my homeboy. Here he is. He's calling to talk about the defense, the idea he's had or heard about that could help the Raiders in their struggles with tackling and how it's really the fundamentals that they're lacking the most. Here he is, Peg Leg Raider in San Antonio. What up, Q? It's Peg Leg Raider out of San Antonio. I'm calling in to bring an idea to the podcast as far as all the defensive coordinator and changes to the defense conversations that are going on. Uh, way back in the beginning of the season, I was listening to uh, NFL Satellite Radio, and they were having a conversation on defense, tackling numbers being down, defense statistics being down um, the whole year. And a lot of it was due to – they were projecting that part of it is just due to uh, not teaching tackling fundamentals, covering them in practices – not having a preseason um, and padded practices. And they also went off on this long tangent about some USC tackling video that was produced a couple years back and had been floating around both college and NFL uh, organizations. One, I'm curious, with your work at Baylor and um, with the Cowboys, if you've heard or seen anything like this, uh, but it was – when they were talking about it, it was something that Seattle, uh, because of the Pete Carroll connection, I think they had implemented some of the, the tackling techniques, um, and also the Rams due to uh, a connection. And I'm thinking if Wade Phillips could is aware of this or just tackling techniques and can bring it to the Raiders and help folks like Jonathan Abrams not lead with the head uh, and Damon Arnett and, and folks like that, just keep them out of of concussion protocol, clean up tackling and, and things. I think that helps us all around. I, I really do want Wade Phillips uh, as a D coordinator, at least for a couple of years, maybe bring in somebody young, a young up and coming guy to learn from him and take over kind of uh, like your thought with Jalen Hurts and Derek Carr, something like that. Um, but I, I think D needs to get cleaned up, definitely. But it's all – it's simple fundamental things that pisses me off. Clean tackling, uh, stupid penalties, things like that. Um, but Wade Phillips is a D coordinator just even in the interim. I like the idea. I think you're on board. Uh, I'd love to get the nation's thoughts, but also um, fundamentals tackling and um, this alleged USC tackling video. Just curious, have you heard of it? Have you seen it? Um, what are your thoughts? Anyway, that's all I got. Happy holidays. Raider Nation, ride or die. Peg Leg Raider out. There he is. Good stuff. Peg Leg Raider out of San Antonio and for any new booties. Yeah, he has a peg leg. That's why his name is Peg Leg Raider. A uh, good dude right there in San Antonio. It's always good to hear from you. It's good to hear from the OGs. And yeah, man, I've seen those videos. Uh, I've even seen the tackling dummies. They used them, uh, some of the robots at Baylor. Uh, when Matt Rule was the head coach, they used them. Matter of fact, they had a they had a video that made it out to, I want to say Jimmy Kimmel maybe, where uh, it, it's the, the tackling dummy tackled one of the uh, strength and conditioning guys uh, for Baylor. It was pretty funny. I, I can't 
Karen, just kind of Google um, tackling dummy tackles Baylor assistant coach or something like that. It's actually pretty funny. But those tackling dummies are good, man. Uh, some collegiate teams use them. Some pro teams use them. It's a safer way to practice. You can practice the, the fundamentals of tackling. And clearly, clearly by what the Raiders are doing, they need some fundamentals uh, you know, of tackling. They need to work on that as much as possible in practice. I think you're onto something, man. And, and yeah, like I said, they do use those for sure in, in college. And I'm sure some pro teams like the Seahawks use them. Uh, I don't think the Cowboys use them. But either way, uh, I think you're onto something right there. Uh, my final text today, the final text for the show, final text for the week comes from Steve Chavez in Livermore. And before I get into it... Got to sound the alarm one time because Steve Chavez in Livermore, California is a new booty. He said, hey, Q, get the music ready. Then he had a couple emojis of a booty. (laughs) He said, I had to chime in about everything going on with the Raiders. The Raiders needed for the defense to be at least mediocre. They would need to aspire to be mediocre. They are just abysmal, bottom of the barrel and getting worse. A mediocre defense would have made the Raiders a serious Super Bowl contender. There are a ton of injuries on defense which can't be dismissed, but their record would have not have been a, a lot better than what it is without a chance to get with a chance to get healthy for the playoffs. There are a ton of injuries on defense which can't be dismissed, but their record would have been a lot better than what it is with a chance to get healthy for the playoffs. Instead, it's the same old story. After eight games, teams' defenses are usually on the same page. After the 10th game, the Raiders still look like someone taking a test who didn't study. Gruden needs to seriously invest in a defense for 2021. Sincerely, Steve Chavez in Livermore, California. Shout out to Livermore, California, man. Represent. I, I used to go to the water slides in Livermore. Uh, what was it? It was, I was about to say Manteca water slides, but that's clearly in Manteca. <laughs> I don't remember the name of the Livermore uh, water slides there, but it was right there by the lake. Uh, me and my cousin Chris used to ride our bikes out there. Actually, we rode our bikes out there a long time ago when we were youngsters, and they weren't even our bikes. I think I've told this story before on the podcast, but we stole these bikes because we wanted to go see these girls in Livermore, right? A couple black dudes riding down this road where we had no business driving. We get to this girl's house, Cheryl, and... That's who I was supposed to see, and her sister or cousin was supposed to be who Chris was supposed to see, right? How come when we get there, and I, like, bang on the window, and I really just kind of knocked on the window, she was like, oh, my dad's here. Uh, I can't come see y'all. And so she didn't, and we got stuck in the park across the street from her house, and I was out, and I wasn't supposed to be out, and he was out, and he wasn't supposed to be out, so we couldn't go back home. Again, we're a couple black dudes in Livermore, which is not a good look, but either way you look at it, man, Livermore got us caught up. (laughs) And we had to sleep in the park that night. So lesson here is... Don't go chasing Cheryl's. Don't do it. It's always going to end bad. (laughs) Anyway, back to your text, man. Uh, A lot of good stuff. And you're right. Their defense just needed to be uh, mediocre. And it wasn't. It it absolutely wasn't. Hopefully, they get that thing turned around. And they need to get it turned around with a guy who can lead the defensive charge. Uh, I've been banging the table for Wade Phillips. I know Raheem Morris is a guy that could do it. Um, you know, there's, there's other guys out there that could do it, but I really think the Raiders need a guy who's proven, a guy who's shown that he can get things turned around quick, fast, and in a hurry. So, uh, anyway, that's all I got for you, man. I definitely appreciate it. Uh, I would have a couple more texts and everything, but it's getting a little long, especially having the crossover go a little bit longer than I expected to. So, uh, that's all I got for you. I wasn't sure if I was going to have a Friday show or not. I'm, I'm not. I'll save uh, what I was thinking about having on Friday. I, I was thinking about doing something special on Friday, but I'll uh, save it for Monday or maybe Tuesday. So either way you look at it, Raider Nation, enjoy your uh, holiday. Enjoy your time with your family. Uh, enjoy the game on Saturday night and, of course, the rest of the weekend. And we'll be back here on Lockdown Raiders Podcast on Monday. Appreciate you. Stay safe. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Do what you got to do. And most importantly, as always, just win, baby. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, 
Look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.